I'm hungry. Hey, hungry, nice to meet you. No, mama, what's for dinner? Um, them pork chops, them leftover pork chops in there. You gonna eat them? Can we go to McDonald's? Where you get some money from? Huh? Oh no, you were saying you want some McDonald's like you got some McDonald's money. I don't got no money. Oh. Then I guess you're gonna be eating them pork chops. I'm tired of eating leftovers. Do you think I be shitting and money just come out my ass? No, we gonna eat them leftovers until there's none left over. None left. 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 Welcome to the Black Sublime Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Hapadashi, a.k.a. Aeolus White, a.k.a. McDonald's Money. What if that was, like, my rapper song, like, my rapper's name, like, you know, McDonald's Money? Nah, see, that's actually trash. Like, I need to come up with a good rap alias that, you know, when I feel like getting in my rapper, my rapper bag... Um, you know, it works out for me, <laughs> even though I don't have a rapper voice, so that shit would be trash, but the bars, though, the bars, welcome, I missed you all, I'm excited to get into this week, even though there is a good amount of bullshit this week, I'm not going to lie, I mean, I do have to, for completeness sake, talk about what I talked about last week, even though, like, it's funny, it's funny because I almost want to walk everything back that I said last week, but about forgiveness or whatever, um, but I guess let's just jump into the shit, so, old girl, Amber Geiger, um, homegirl who shot, um, Botham Jean in his home, um, mistakenly thinking that it was her home, was um, found guilty but sentenced to 10 years. And, like, okay, so here's my thing. My, I mean, okay, let's just get into the sentencing real quick. There are niggas, my fear is that, all right, let me finish my first thought. <laughs> there are people that I know that will do 10 years on their head, period. That don't, that see a decade, see 10, a 10-year 10 bid and think that that's nothing, okay? That think, okay, yeah, it's a long time, but, you know, five years, parole is Like, five years, that, people do these types of, these bids, like, five years, 10 years. They do this time lightly. I'm not saying... I'm one of those people. I'm never trying to be locked up. And shout, you know, shout out to people that can do that and stay whole and stay mentally there and present. But there are people that see that hear five years, hear ten years, and think nothing of it. So when I saw that sentence, I was like, okay, so now I got to worry about people thinking that my house is their house and coming in and shooting me because five or 10 years is not enough of a deterrent to make people not want to kill my ass in my home and cry on the stands about it. 
So all you got to do is now is shoot somebody, say you thought it was your house, and cry. And you're going to get five, 10 years with five years eligibility for parole. So that sentence was trash. Um, last week, though, I was talking about forgiveness. And I was talking about how, you know... The desire to perpetuate the myth of innocence is really... And I use myth, but it really... I haven't found the right word. Because I don't mean, like, the legend of one's innocence. I'm not even sure people care about the narrative around them. But it's really, like, people just want to feel innocent. Want to be able to frame their innocence in their own mind and in the minds of others. Um... And then I was talking about, like, how forgiveness, how you should, you know, um, that people forgive for themselves, but you really cannot maintain innocence and seek forgiveness at the same time. And that got me, and, you know, I was saying that with an energy of, like, you know, forgiveness is good, blah, 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 blah. I didn't say that explicitly, but that was my frame. That was how I was thinking. And now old girl got a hug from the victim's brother and the judge at the, at the sentencing, which, you know, a lot of people I've been seeing on social media, I, people have been going back and forth. Like the brother was talking about how, you know, he wants her to give her life to Christ how he's hugging her, how the type of person that the brother was would want her to want us to forgive her and for her to turn her life to God. So essentially, he thought, but he'd be furthering and honoring his brother's life and all of that by doing the same. As much as I take issue with that, I feel like I have to respect the way he chooses to mourn. And I think a lot of people on social media came to that conclusion. Um, But, you know, there's a larger conversation. Okay, first of all, but the judge shouldn't be hugging no motherfucking body. Judge, don't hug nobody. Don't hug no bitch that walked into somebody's house and shot. You need to keep your hugs. Keep your hugs. Keep your gown closed. And I'm not trying to make a, you know. But keep your <laughs> keep your gown closed. Keep your hugs to your motherfucking self. This bitch don't need no hugs. Period. But, um, and that's just that on that. But there's a larger conversation about black people and the forgiveness, the, the sort of like, the sort of forgiveness brands that we have, where like this Christianity, nonviolence, forgive those that, you know, steal, that, that treat you as property, that murder you, that forgive everyone, rise above it. This sort of like, we, you know, when they go low, we go high. This, you know, I don't know, this moral superiority that's defined by, um, not seeking retribution or, you know, defined by a forward-lookingness that absolves those that have committed crimes against you. Okay, um... Obviously, there is a vested... Obviously, there is a benefactor. There's a clear benefactor of that mentality, and it's not black people, right? Like, it's a clear... like. 
to convince people that you have done unmentionable wrongs to for generations after generations after generation to just look forward and forgive the past and blah 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 like that mentality benefits the people that um that have profited and continue to profit on your suffering and while like there is a debate on social media about what black people should do i'm kind of not my spirit didn't go there. My spirit, my consciousness, my mind, um, it just didn't go there. Um, where it went or what I've been wrestling with as a result of that conversation or this whole event is the concept of, you know, mercy. Um, because I talked about this a little bit. I alluded to this last week about how when you forgive somebody, you forgive them for yourself. And I've had adults in my life, you know, say something like, or not just adults, but people in my life. Um, and I say adults because we're referencing things about ch- childhood. But um, there's people in my life that will say, you know, we shouldn't bring that up anymore. Like, all is forgiven. And don't bring it up. And my mentality has always been um, the victim can bring up whatever he or she wants as as much as he or she wants to. um, And you have to deal with it because you fucked up. Now, hopefully that victim moves, finds a healing and, you know, a healing process that allows him or her not to bring that up. That, you know, it, it allows like they should forgive it and do whatever they're doing. But their desire to not bring something up is really map to their growth, not to what you want. You get no preferences because you fucked up, right? Um, And that really asking this person not to bring it up is you asking for mercy. You're asking this person to be like, you know, please show mercy on me, on my conscience, to not remind me of my wrongs every single day that I am living. I am asking you for mercy because I am going to break under this. You know, that's really what you're asking. And you're not using the term mercy because... We, as a culture, at least black people, really reserve mercy for a conversation with God or a conversation with, like, somebody that has supreme power, right? And the reason that this matters to me and the reason that I'm connecting it all, and I know I've, you know, it's kind of crazy, but if y'all, if you know this podcast, you know that I am insane, Um, is that all of these people that murder and have done all these wrongs towards the black community, the queer community, they ask for and expect forgiveness instead of mercy. And they really should be asking for mercy. They really, it should be a conversation about mercy, not about forgiveness. And the reason, and the, and the trick, and for me, this is me being insane. But the reason that they ask for and perpetuate this culture of forgiveness instead of mercy is that it implants, it, it like, it implies and it tricks us into not seeing our own power and to not seeing our own greatness. Because 
you only ask for mercy from people that have that are powerful. So if someone comes up to you and asks you for mercy, the next thing you start to think is, well, shit, what mercy, bitch? What, what power do I have over you? What power do I have over the situation? Why are you asking for me? It, it starts to make me be conscious of my own power. So if I keep to asking for forgiveness, and yeah, I say, or not only do I ask for forgiveness, I say things like, you're a forgiving people. You come from a forgiving cloth. Black people and God. And I start to tap into a legacy where it's in your nature or in your cultural practice to forgive. So it's really a respect to your ancestors to forgive me. It's not your choice in the moment to look at my situation and forgive me. You know what I mean? It's not that. And we make it about, we make forgiveness, we put, we map forgiveness on some kind of moral, like, goodness scale where the more you forgive, the better of a person you are. And it makes a lot of black people, at least in situations like this, feel artificially that we're good, And even, you could even say something like better if you believe in that kind of respectability shit, which I do not. But you can say better. But mercy calls to question greatness. And people are thinking that great is the superlative of good, and it's not. Right? Good, better, best, like these things are not related to great. Great is a might. Great is about power. Great is size. Great is, you know, that's the black sublime. Like, these things about real, like, awe-inspiring, full of might. I, I like using the word might, but might, you know, suggests violence. But it's a different type of word than good, you know. It implies power. Good, better, best does not... So I can be the great, you know, I can be a really, really good person that just forgives everybody and have nothing and not be able to protect my family, not be able to, you know, get justice for my loved ones, not be able to, you know, assure that my interests are protected. But I can forgive the fuck out of y'all and I can keep having, you know, y'all can call me a saint, you know, whatever. But I can still not have shit. You know, probably at the end of the day. Meanwhile, I could, I can think of myself as great. You know, I can think of my, behold my own might on a regular basis. And, and expect you to ask me for mercy when you come and kill my motherfucking brother. Are you crazy? You know, it should, it should, it should be mercy that you ask of me and mine. You know, not hugs. And she ain't asked for the hug, but you know, the culture... <laughs> You know what I mean? No, you don't want my hug. I, you shouldn't have even accepted my motherfucking hug. You should have been kissing my motherfucking feet. Fuck a hug. Hugs are people that are on my level. You are not. And like, and I started to think about this the other day. Like, well, shit, am I just feeling myself too much? And that's the question of this podcast. Am I just simply being too arrogant? You know, expecting people to ask me for mercy if you fucking shoot somebody in my family. And that's kind of why low-key I value sometimes the hood culture. Because you would never do some shit like hug somebody. Bitch, you will go reach for a hug and die. And (laughs) 
Some people, you would you wouldn't even be reaching for shit. But you know, and this connects to another conversation that I had, and it this conversation is kind of reminiscent of talks that I've had on this podcast before. I realized, you know, I've been talking a lot about Pan-Africanism, talking a lot, really about the diaspora, like just uh, the black diasporic consciousness and being like, okay, we need to arrive at a place. And really, I've been defending the legacy of black American culture. And there's been, you know, I watched this thing and I watched the state of the culture. I do like that program, even though I said program, so I'm officially an old person. I do like that um, show. And Remy, even though she said some wild shit, you know, she said something the other day that was like, you know, she goes, she went somewhere. I forgot the actual story, but she was just talking about how, you know, she had to wave the black American flag. She had to wave the American flag while all these other black countries are black people. get to They have flags of their own. And I felt bad for her, honestly, because, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these black countries, yes, some of them, um, you know, were able to define themselves in terms of, like, Mali. Like, some of these places are really tied to ancient tribal and kingdoms, and the territories are pretty, not exactly, but are faithful to their ancestors. But a lot of these people, you know, colonialism defined their territory. Um, They still have strife as a result of the colonial presence. And a lot of their tribes were, you know taken out or or moved obviously as a, as a result of the transatlantic slave trade and um lost a lot of power because of that and killed each other with the guns that they traded africans for i mean you know their people for and a lot of it a lot of these flags that you're looking at um have troubled histories just like ours i mean I don't know. So I just felt bad for her, but I did understand. So it started me thinking, maybe, and then, ain't, oh, what's what's their name? I always, uh, I always call her, she goes actually by them, so I should say they. Um, they go by them. I don't want to make their name up, though. I always just say Angel from Pose because I'm trash. And I know their handle, but I forget their name. <laughs> All right, let me see. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Real quickie. Real, real, real subtle. Yeah, so India Moore was in an interview with, I want to say Latina Magazine, but I could be making that up. Just saying that, you know, they identify as Afro-Taino as opposed to Afro-Latino because Latino itself really means having been colonized by um, Spain or even Portugal in some instances, but just on this side of the world and really refers to Central and South America over the Caribbean. So it's basically just a nice way of saying white. And... 
I don't know much about that history, but what I'll say is that it started me thinking about just tribal identification, like wanting to identify, um, wanting to really understand the tribal, um, my own tribal history, both African and Caribbean, um, and really just having that understanding. And what I liked about that was... That I I thought that consciousness one helped will help decolonialize us as people. Even though I should say that the instances that tribes have been able to establish sovereign identities is really valuable. So I don't want to erase that history from those people, and I think that is amazing. But in the instances that you know colonialization or colonialism help is your identity and it's a sort of manufactured identity where you know a lot of your tribal history is either erased or downplayed in a diasporic consciousness doesn't benefit us and when we're thinking about bridging the gap and sort of uniting as a people and why this matters to me and how it connects to things before was I have maintained, I think that the way for us to maintain our unique identities but also band together is to give respect where respect is due in the diaspora. So, like, if you're talking to somebody who is from a sovereign country whose tribal identities have remained intact for thousands and thousands of years. You know, so if you're talking to some of the people of peoples of Nigeria, some of them, I mean, but some of the peoples of Nigeria, Mali, like these kind of countries in Africa, you should be respectful of the fact that they've been able to maintain a tribal identity forever, essentially. And no, you can't just hop on the bandwagon and just use things from their culture. It is respect. You have to respect that. You know, if you are in America and you have any kind of color, you know, if you if you are in this country, period. First of all, if you are in this country, period. This even goes. This goes for everybody in this country. You need to respect black people, the the Americans that built this country on their backs. You would have nothing if not for these people. This country would have never been anything if not for these people. This country as we know it is only this country because of the labor that we we provided, that my ancestors have, have provided. So you would not have shit without us. You know, one. Two, if you have any kind of civil rights at all as a minority, you really owe it to black people. If you are an immigrant with any color, you know, with any... I'll, the only exception I will give will probably be, you know, Asian people because obviously Japanese internment camps and that whole, that whole journey to freedom in this country has a history that is rich and really not told. But so I give them that, fine. But if not, if you are any kind of immigrant with color, well, I, and you have to give it Mexicans because we did take the country from Mexico. So it's the Mexicans too. I'll give them that. But if not that, you would not be able to come to this country and have rights. You would not be, this would not, you would be nothing in this country without the contribution of black people. 
you're, and this is not just in America. You know, this is really everywhere. And I would say my point is that we have to have respect. We have to have and command respect. And why I say it connects to, like, the question, am I too arrogant? Because I had to really check myself the other day. I was walking, the way I walk through this earth, particularly as it in a racial as it refers to racial relations or race relations, is I just operate under the assumption that you would not be shit without me. So when I talk to white people and I talk to, you know, anybody in the diaspora that is that lives here, then pretty much any when I move through this earth, my assumption is you would not be shit without me. You would not be shit without my grandparents. You would not be shit without their parents. So shut the fuck up. I mean, that's really, and I realize, I, I, I realize that I'm probably tripping without the, about this. But you know, I have this idea. It's like the respect I expect people to pay my grandmother, who's my only living grandparent. I expect them to pay her so much respect as an American person, you know, who has raised kids here in this country. Um, I expect them to pay her the highest respect, not just because she's, you know, my grandmother and, you know, I will dust these hands off. It's really because this is a, a relic. You're looking at a relic. An elder who has who is older than civil rights, <laughs> and you would not have, you would have nothing like this. What we understand as this, you know, as America would not exist if not for her. And even if she doesn't, even if she didn't have, you know, war stories about like you know protesting and stuff like that, her simple insistence on survival is enough of a contribution to give you. That you are benefiting from. You are profiting from her simple, her decision to keep living, her decision to have a family, her decision to do these things. Like you just profit from her life. You know, and when I hear people lack that respect, like when I hear them lacking on a conscious on a level that's just like, well. You know, black Americans don't have shower. You know, not even just black, anybody. If I were to go, you know, if I, when I go to Barbados or when I go to Trinidad or when I go anywhere where there's a whole lot of black people or a place that I feel close to, either tied ancestrally or just not, it's like, if these people, for me personally, chose not to persist, not to survive, I would not exist. As I exist, and, and people profit from me choosing to live. Today, my decision to live benefits a lot of people in within and without within and without the diaspora, or I should say, within and outside of the diaspora. So y'all motherfuckers better respect me and mine. And, and that's me and mine. And that's kind of the energy that I walk through. And then I'm like, oh, shit. Am I just being too arrogant? <laughs> like, am I, might, I might be feeling myself too much. You know, because maybe that's a destructive mindset. And I don't think... But see, 
initially I thought that and then I was like I don't think it's I'm not advocating for a supremacy you know it's really not a moment like that but it's really like if you value your life as it is today you owe us even if you don't value your life as it is today you owe us and you really owe my elders and when you speak about identity, when you speak about blackness, when you speak, and this is just black, you know, I'm not gonna get into queer because we about we out of time. Well, I'm out of time because I have things to do today. But, um, yeah, it's like we have to, um, we have to really respect that. We have to, and I com- I demand that respect, and I will accept nothing less. And shit, well, maybe. Damn, and I wonder, I didn't always have this consciousness. I didn't always think like this. And with this thought, with this thought, with this mentality has come really a lot of peace. It really allows me to talk about unity and talk about community in a way that I think is sustainable. I think if we have this conversation about community and all this stuff without this work, it is not a sustainable platform. It's not a sustainable, uh, sustainable idea. I think it breeds resentment and infighting. Just being like, hey, I'm going to respect you for real. I'm going to acknowledge that without you, I would be nothing. That... That acknowledgement, I think, is the way for us moving forward as a community. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to end on that message. I hope you all have a lovely, 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 lovely week. And I'll talk to you next time. Nine, 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 nine.